Keep up with local news and events. Rich Larson hosts a daily newscast Monday through Friday, as well as updates and other community news. And it's free. Stop by KYMNRadio.net frequently and look for updates on our Facebook page for news stories and community events. KYMN Radio is 95.1 The One. Locally owned, independently programmed, 95.1 The One. Joined uh, in studio now by Northfield's Mayor, Rhonda Pownell, and City Administrator, Ben Marting. Good morning. Good morning. How is everyone today? Good morning. Fantastic. Good. You had a council meeting last night that, uh, very interesting, not that, mm-hmm. that all of them aren't, but you had a couple of yeah. things that people have been uh, really looking for and has caught mm-hmm. the attention of the public, and that is the uh, Greywood property. We'll get to that in a couple of minutes. And also mm-hmm. the uh, uh, proposed uh, tax levy uh, mm-hmm. was... Uh, preliminary tax levy was uh, decided last night um before we get into that let's i want i noticed something yesterday on the consent agenda and that was uh a a gift from aurora pharmaceutical uh of some things for the uh, cannon river trail i thought boy that's pretty cool i want to i'd like to mention that today yeah so we are very fortunate Uh, aurora pharmaceuticals is uh, just a wonderful uh, business located right here in northfield they are local locally owned operated and doing a fantastic job uh there are just in case some people don't know they're a veterinary pharmaceutical product development and manufacturing company headquartered right here in northfield and their company resides right next to the east cannon river trail and they made a donation last night to for a seating area, bike racks, and bike repair station right adjacent to their company there along the East Cannon River Trail. And I know that that will be a huge benefit for not only their employees when they want to take a lunch break, right? They mm-hmm. can just get right out and walk on that trail. But also the general public and all of our visitors that come and want to utilize that space, they now have easy access to rest or take care of their bike. I know what it's like to get a flat tire. That's not necessarily so fun, but having that uh, donation from Aurora is just very generous and we're really grateful. Yeah, it's a wonderful thing. We salute them for doing that. That's yes. They saw the need and just did something about it. Yeah. Let, let's talk about the tax levy. Uh, we have uh, talked about that for quite some while, and we had uh, been in last week to kind of explain some of the mm-hmm. things. You went with a uh, preliminary uh, tax uh, levy increase of 15%. It could have been as high as 159 and mm-hmm. uh, listening to Rich talk about it, uh, mm-hmm. much of the council kind of apologized and said that's going to be a little bit lower than that, or they're going to try to get that lower than that. Uh, that's uh, that's a big number. Tell us about how uh, that was he arrived at that. Yeah, so each year we start out, actually our city staff are probably starting the budget process back in May with really looking holistically at the organization in each department. And then in August, the council meets and in a work session and really gets at high level, what are the needs out there? What are the opportunities and what's the budgetary potential impact of that? Where do we want to go and how do we need to get there? And our budget is a major driver of that. If we really um, want to ensure that our community is open, safe, and welcoming, one of the easy things that we can do for that for some of our folks in the community is make sure that when they enter City Hall that they have someone that speaks their language that can uh, help them. Uh, get a building permit or know how to uh, 
where to go for the DMV office. So there's that's a small part, very small part of the budget, but there's things like that that really affect the quality of life of our community, uh, fixing our buildings. That's our capital improvement plan. And so this budget really connection between what we want to accomplish in our strategic plan, the budget really affects that. And so, yes, uh, last night the council approved a preliminary levy, a 15% increase. And uh, as we're looking with our comparable cities, we know that that still does not put us even to the middle. We're on the low end for, our, I believe, what we're levying uh, per person. Uh, so we're watching those levels. It's really important that we maintain good operations, that we're meeting the needs of our community members. And again, this budget just helps us to accomplish that. And yes, we did hear clearly from individuals last night on the council that we really want to look at, okay, how can we bring that down to make sure that it's more manageable and taking into account that this uh, Double-digit levy increases really hit our low-income and people that are in fixed incomes the hardest. And uh, just really want to take that into account and making sure that we're doing the best for the community. So, All right. Uh, ben, maybe you could explain. Uh, I know you did last week quite a bit explain what uh, what is c- kind of driving the increase this year. Uh, once again, it's not a done deal yet, but uh, could you kind of recap that? Sure. So uh, just to put it in perspective, it's a $35 million total budget that we're working with. And um, so that includes that includes all of our enterprise utility funds as well. And so the general fund, uh, the operating funds, uh, 50, about $15.7 million uh, for that overall. Um, some of the driving issues that we have uh, related to that is our revenue and all of the other areas have been pretty much flat. Um, so the city government really has limited uh, revenue resources under the state of Minnesota. So the general fund, 50, about 56% of our total revenue in our general fund comes from property taxes, which is a heavy piece. So we really haven't seen trending of fees uh, really going up. Intergovernmental revenue is the next largest piece at 26%. So local government aid um, takes up about 80% of that. So we get $3.3 million from the state of Minnesota, and we did get a little bit of an increase there, a little under 1% from the state of an increase. So part of it is, even if we have modest expenditure increases, the general the property tax is going to take up the biggest portion of that, even though it is only like a portion of our over-operating budget. So that's one challenge is limited alternative revenue sources, I guess, related to city operations where the property taxes is a little heavier reliance on that. On the expenditure side, some of the things that are driving that is we do have, uh, we, the city's completed a uh, compensation analysis for wages and benefits to attract and retain employees with really a goal to be in the middle of our comparable groups, um, not to be a leader at the pay level or at the lowest end, but in the middle. And that's um, that, that alone would be about 4% increase, a little bit over that that we'd have. Um, we also have some positions that are getting added in. The city council has approved a body camera implementation. It's really been uh, going well. But with that, they knew we'd also need a records management person added uh, into our police department to deal with some of that. And so that position is going to be hitting it. Uh, we also have, I think, the, as the mayor, I think, mentioned, the 
Uh, we've added some a part-time translation person who's doing now Spanish translation. We didn't really have that before or is extremely limited. And now we're really translating most of our communications that go out, especially written is uh, going out in mm -hmm. Spanish. Um, we also have some uh, program coordinator working on climate and equity goals, uh, has some additional tax impact as well. So those are, are driving some of the increase. And then probably the last last one maybe to highlight is the um, we do have some increase in our debt service. We we are, I would say, mid to low on our on our, our debt in comparison to other cities. That's really going to infrastructure projects, though. So um, some of that relates to um, things like the roundabout project that we did, particularly the underpasses that I think have been very well received, added safety. But that's driving up a little bit some of the uh, cost of the of the uh, tax levy as well. So um, those are a, a few of the examples. But mm -hmm. I did mention too, and I think I mentioned last week, and I highlighted it in the presentation. Where you know because of those wage studies that we've done, we're a little bit behind on some of the budget processes. In fact, the councils had two recent closed sessions in addition to all of the other meetings, so they've had an added work level on really complicated things and a lot of time spent on that. So so those are some of the things as well um, that mm -hmm. are driving some of that. Mm -hmm. Now, I know that uh, there are some uh, personnel requests, I guess, within mm -hmm. the uh, budget. There are several departments looking to increase uh, the uh, the number of employees that they have in each department. Is that going to happen this year? Is that you look feasible, uh, doable at all? Yeah, Jeff. So yes, you're right. There are some that some new positions that are included in the base budget, but there are over and above that. We have a streets and parks horticulturist, civil engineer, um, police officer, and two positions within community development. Our MPB uh, station manager and our Spanish. Uh, translator moving that from part time to full time. So again, these all have that underlying effect that can help us accomplish our goals. So then the question is, how quickly do you want to get there? Do you take more of a measured approach? Or are these strategic enough, we should just move right into getting them accomplished? And then it's a matter of how do you do that? I think we heard the American Rescue Plan uh, dollars have been thrown out there to see whether or not that could help reduce that overall levy uh, that the council chooses to move forward in December. So some of these, like the streets and parks horticulturists, some may not know this, but uh, we have some really dedicated volunteers out there. Longtime Northfielders would know her as Judy Code. Mm -hmm. Judy Code is... I'm not sure her age. Maybe I shouldn't say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, Judy Code is a, such a faithful volunteer. Unbelievable. Yes. Yeah. But we don't have her understanding of plants, landscaping, and things like that necessarily mm -hmm. on our city staff. And so if we can bring on somebody that can work alongside Judy and some of our volunteers that have that knowledge and understanding, that could be beneficial citywide. I mean, the last thing that we want to do. Some people really know this, a big beef of mine, right? You plant a tree, but you don't take care of it. And then the tree eventually dies. That's waste. And we really don't want to do that. So ensuring that uh, we have knowledge, expertise on staff to really harness the volunteer efforts of 
some of our, our gardeners out there that really want to improve our spaces. So I would love to talk more about this, but uh, yeah. we're cutting it off right there because uh, because of time. We've got to move on. I want to talk about the uh, Craywood development. Um, that was, uh, I took, I, I don't know if it's unexpected for everyone, but mm-hmm. certainly me, I didn't see that coming. I'd heard about the environmental uh, assessment uh, worksheet that... Uh, has been discussed, but it, it moved forward or moved to the council level yesterday mm-hmm. before the meeting. Tell us about that. Yeah, so the city received a public petition uh, signed by over 600 individuals. I believe it came from the um, the EQB, Environmental Quality Board. I think the petition was submitted at that state level. The city of Northfield received uh, um the actual petition or the word from the EQB at the state level on late Friday. So once we received that petition and that uh, letter from the EQB, then that uh, moved us into a little bit different direction. There's a pause here that we need to have on the TIF application, the rezoning, and the plat all related to that Craywood uh, project. So what we will be doing, we had an initial just sort of presentation from City Attorney Hood uh, last night, uh, just in terms of what that means, what do we need to do in terms of process and making sure that we're following uh, state law with how we handle this and also respecting and honoring, I would say, the people that uh, brought the petition forward. That's really important. Uh, so th- what we do know is that the project doesn't necessarily meet the threshold for preparation of a mandatory EAW, em- Environmental Assessment Worksheet, according to state law. Therefore, the preparation of an EAW is discretionary or one that may be required by the city council in event that the council grants a petition for an EAW. So the council... Uh, took no official action last night. We heard just that initial conversation with Attorney Hood. We also heard from uh, people that submitted the petition last night. What this does is it gives our our staff, we'll be preparing a couple different resolutions, one to uh, for the city council to vote on that uh, gives permission to move forward with doing an EAW and another one uh, saying basically it's not needed. So that will be on the October 5th uh, City Council agenda. Now let me see if I got this straight. They went to the uh, the uh, EAW, went through, you have to go through the state to get that EAW or at least file through the state, is that right? Yeah. Uh, but the state from at that point if it doesn't meet that threshold, then it goes just straight to the city council and you have the option of one or the other. Is that correct? Yeah, that's pretty much it. And then the council uh, must review the evidence uh, presented to demonstrate whether it has the potential for significant environmental effects. And there's a specific criteria list to go through that. So that's what the the staff would be working on uh, to bring to the city council for review and consideration to either recommend moving ahead with an EAW or recommend to deny uh, the the action related to that. And so that will be coming on October 5th. It is does fall into what we call a quasi-judicial review of the city council or, or authority. So it's a little bit different than many most of the legislative work that the council does where they're kind of it's more of like a legal, like almost kind of like a judge or a jury, I guess, with the mm-hmm. council. So they have an added level of responsibility for impartiality related to review of this information. And that's why they're more limited to really, really shouldn't be contacting or working with the 
talking directly to the developer or interested parties or petitioners related to um, the petition that's before them because it's really kind of a legal duty to review that from an impartial standpoint, kind of like jur yeah. jurors mm -hmm. need to be impartial with that. So it's a little bit different emphasis that we that the attorney made last night. But ultimately, the options will come back. The, the, the real mm -hmm. purpose of the EAW is to disclose the, if, if determined that there's potential for envir significant environmental impacts, the three areas mainly identified were the rusty patch bee, which does have some endangered uh, species uh, protections related to the destruction of the bee itself. Um, secondarily, some concern that there might be a wetland identified uh, was one thing, and then the third one relates to some traffic concerns. And so those are the main areas of the petition that are being kind of questioned about that review. The EA, If the EAW is pursued, really the purpose of the EAW, number one, is to determine if an environmental impact statement is necessary, which is a much, a very involved and time-intensive and significant environmental review that would be a next stage that the EAW would determine whether or not that is needed, and then the council would need to act on that uh, at that point. Um, the other thing an EAW possibly could do is if there are significant environmental um, uh, concerns identified, there also could be some mitigating measures identified as part of that process, too. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, a couple of more questions in, in involved uh, with that. Uh, you'd mentioned that it doesn't meet the threshold for an automatic EAW. Uh, what is that threshold? How far was it significantly far from the threshold? Was it close? Do we know what that is? Uh, that, that's, that's a little beyond <laughs> okay. the, some of my level of detail to get into the specifics of that. But I would say there are probably certain environmental conditions that would be very specific to that. And so okay. apparently the ones identified related to the, the status of the bees and that wouldn't automatically trigger that. Um, you'd probably have to bring a different guest in to get into that. that <laughs> okay. Okay. It okay. might have been, I'm sure Fair the enough. staff might have covered that last night, but... Um, it's not registering my brain, I guess. <laughs> uh, the other thing would be who pays for it. Well, Rich and I were talking earlier on. It's, it, it, it's not the petitioner that pays for it, which would be, uh, in this case, uh, the folks from Northfield Shed. Would it be uh, the developer? Would it be uh, you know Rebound, Schmidt, and Stencil? Would it be the city of Northfield or the state of Minnesota? If you do get that, it's probably going to cost, I would imagine, tens of thousands of dollars. Nothing's cheap in this uh, in the world of consulting. Uh who gets to pay for that? Yeah, you had a good estimate there, Jeff. That was what the city attorney said last night, is it would be probably in the tens of thousands of dollars. So you're right <laughs> yeah. on board with what he said. <laughs> I've been following it for a while. Um, yeah, the city code does call out that if the council determines uh, that it's necessary to have an EAW, that that's a cost that can be passed along to the developer yeah. um, is, is the option. So it would either be the city or the developer, I guess, is part of that. But it, there is the ability to pass that on as a, as a cost of, of the process review. All right. Uh, we're just about out of time. Anything else from either last night's meeting or anything else, other information you'd like to pass along? Nope. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much for coming in. Yeah, That's, thank uh, you. Much appreciate. A lot of information there. And folks, if you missed some of this or all of it, uh, it's available on our website, kymnradio.net. Northfield Mayor Rhonda Pownell, Senior Administrator Ben Martin. Thanks for being with us. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. News with a side of sports. Tim's coming up in just a couple of minutes. We're 60 seconds away from Rich Larson with an update. Severe weather events this month highlighted the need for accurate weather safety information in a timely manner. 95.1, the one station where our playlist goes on for days. 
Hi folks, this is Rich Larson. Join me every Thursday night at 7 p.m. for The Weekly List, a collection of songs and stories based on something happening that week or really whatever is on my mind. That's The Weekly List, Thursday nights at 7, right here on 95.1 KYMN, The One.